Hey, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. <laughs> What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to the Portside Sign Up Podcast today. I'm Josh Shonoff. He's the one and only Angel Ortega. A lot of stuff to talk about this week. We got UFC Vegas. Uh, we got Bell 267. We got Joshua Usyk. Uh, before we get into that, Angel, my guy, last Saturday night from Las Vegas, T-Mobile Arena, International Fight Week. In the main event, dude, uh, we, we really talked about it going in. It's such a crossroads fight for both of these guys. It had a lot of heat on it going in, but even I think we underestimated how good of a fighter is going to be. Alexander Volkanovsky retaining his UFC featherweight championship. Here are the scorecards. Vegas decision, 49-46, 50-45, 50-44. Pretty straightforward win for Volkanovsky outside of the third round in which Volk obviously gets, I mean, it was a, it was a slip after taking a punch from Ortega. Ortega jumps on with one of the tightest guillotines you will ever see. Volk fights his way out, and they proceed to have one of the greatest rounds in MMA history. And there's a lot to take away from this one. First, what do you think about the fight itself? And also, what is your score? What was your scorecard night of? And how do you how do you feel about that that fight? And obviously, both these guys coming forward, man. That was it was an insane fight. I, I it was good, dude. Honestly, uh, like I told you at at the end of it when when we were there, I was like, I wish what he had in that final round. In that fifth round, Brian. I wish we'd have seen that earlier, man. Like it just seemed like, like where was this, you know, three rounds ago? You know, it it, it was that. Obviously, he had that in the in the literal third round. But you know, right in the rounds prior to that, it, it just seemed like that dog came out in that last one. He he was just going for it, and it obviously when you first start to fight, obviously you have you try to set a pace. But it was just like as a start, you know, I thought he had the first round. I thought he. You know, he, he he got it through. He made, you know, it was, it was, you know, he took the first round. Nothing too crazy. And then he came in, and it just seemed like Volk was just, able, was just able to be very comfortable. He seemed very comfortable. He was doing whatever he wanted. And uh, he he was just getting in more easily. He wasn't having trouble with the range anymore. And it just seemed like a great night for Volk from there on out. Obviously, in the third round, that's when we and all the mayhem occurred. And, and it seemed like that was the end of it, man. I, I was like, this is how it ends. Holy shit. This is really how it ends. It seemed like that was the end of it, and it, and it wasn't. And it and it seemed like it was almost going to be a Brian Ortega around there for a bit. Like he was, he had a two submission attempts. Even I think he maybe ended up having a third in there, and then, uh, but then Volk ended up on top, taking the round, finishing it out because I mean, he had started that round off strong. And uh, it's it was the Volk show in the following round, and then the last round it was. Uh, I thought Brian could have taken it. It was just me, but uh, I mean regardless, it wouldn't have made too much of a difference because you know Brian had already. I mean, it was set in stone, you know. He was using to lose it unless he was able to get the finish. And, uh, you know, props to this corner for letting it go on. I, I thought this was one of the scenarios where I was particularly fine with it. There was, you know, there was a talks of the doctor coming in and trying to stop it at the time. They had the doctor come in and he gave it a look. Can you see? Yep, I can see. Let it go on. And uh, there was no corner stoppage. So, I mean, it was, uh, you know, a lot of respect, you know, a lot of brain damage. But uh, it ended up being, it, you know, it was good. That's really what it is. I just I can't I can't put it into words how great of a fight it was, and more more the heart than anything. Obviously, like I say, that's not always what you want, but you know sometimes it's a it's a very respectable thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and ultimately, um, I I will go ahead and say this, dude. It was a fight where at most times 
Volk was doing whatever he wanted. I went back, and obviously night of, I think I gave Ortega one round, two rounds. I, I still maintain that. I thought that the um, first round, obviously, I, I it was close. I gave it to Volk. I think in the night of, I gave it to Ortega. Round two, Volk. Round three, Volk. Round four, Volk. Like you mentioned, Ortega did a really good job coming on down the stretch, especially in round five. Whenever, honestly, the fight should have been stopped. Um, round, this is something that Volk and I have to talk about, too. Round three, he nearly got the finish. Volk um, got up out of Ortega's guard after battering him for the last minute or two. Ortega just laid on the ground. Somebody timed it 13 seconds, um, just laying on the mat. And uh, that's apparently, according to the rules, should have been called. His team got him up and dragged him into, you know, uh, put him on the stool. But arguably should have been stopped. And after that, whenever Herb was asking him questions, he needed to guess two, three times in order to get him correct. So um, arguably still should have been stopped. But even then, he did come on strong in the fifth round. I think I gave Ortega that fifth round. It's the only one. But, dude. It was a fight in which going in, we thought, you know, Volk has that style that he's probably going to dictate the fight. And ultimately, like, he dictated the fight, but we thought, oh, you know what? If Ortega can get one big punch, one big submission attempt, that's the way he wins. And you know what, dude? He got it. He got the submission. Volk still beat him. And he somehow got out of those submission attempts angry as fuck. And he proceeded to make things even worse by battering him from pillar to post, dude. It was absolutely brutal. Hell of a win by Volk, dude. And I'll go ahead and put this question forth to you. Max Holloway, Yair Rodriguez is set for November. I believe it's mid-November, November 15th, somewhere around there. Um, Volk has said he wants to remain active. And he said he might try to fit in one before the end of the year. Obviously, Holloway, um, I mean, we're just assuming Holloway would win that one. It's going to be that's a terrible matchup for Yair. Let's just say this. Let's say the winner of Holloway, Yair, is not good to go. And Volk said he wants to remain active. He said he'll fight anybody. Who would you like to see Volkanovski fight if he does indeed remain active and has to fight somebody? Because it's very likely Holloway out here will not be ready before the end of the year, possibly not even ready until March, April, somewhere around there. That's crazy, dude. There's no one in a, any crazy good position who like is like overwhelmingly deserving. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. In my opinion, uh, I mean if you go down the obviously Brian and uh, Max and Yair are locked. Uh, the Korean zombie fought, but obviously that was the Brian because of that Brian win over the zombie. Brian got that matchup, so zombie doesn't really make sense. Cater lost to Max. I mean, Arnold Allen, Josh Emmett. I'm pretty sure one of those guys has a fight lined up. I mean, I feel like the only person you could go down to that you can maybe push his gig up, but it's like number eight in a title shot. You know what I mean? That's kind of out there. I don't know. Mm hmm. So I don't think anybody's in a good position. I think regardless or not, he's going to have to wait. Mm. Yeah, and, and fair enough. I will say the one that got thrown out there, which is interesting to me, Triple C, dude. Henry Cejudo really wants that fight. I, You uh, know, that one's – it's just a matter if uh, Dana wants to make it happen or not. I, mm-hmm. I was down for it way back when. I was like, why not? Let him do it. And you know he'll retire after that one because what else would he want to do? You know what I mean? I don't know about that. I think that he wants to just – I don't think Cejudo ever wanted to retire. I think he just wanted more money, and he overplayed his hand. That's always my, been my opinion. I don't think he ever truly wanted to retire. I think he just wanted more money. He played the retirement card, which so many guys do. And Dan was like, all right, cool. You're done. Fuck off. Like, <laughs> I know, he didn't, but still, I think he – realistically, though, if you got that fight and he won it, what else would there be left to do? I don't know. I think exactly. I wouldn't bother defending said, my titles. I don't think there's much of a chance of him winning that. I think Volk would at the very like he he'd be a massive favorite. I don't see where he has success against Volkanovski. 
Pretty fun fight though. I think that fight makes sense. They're, the the size is works enough, funny For enough. The history, I like to see it. And that's the thing. It'd be the history aspect of it too, because if he did it, that's the only person who would probably ever be champ in three different weight classes ever. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, no, no one else would come near that. Yeah. So for it, honestly, if that's if he Volk wants to remain active, that's the only fight I can see, and I would like to see them do. Like that's the only one I would care for. Otherwise, he might as well wait. But you know, if they want to, if they if I, I will say this, dude, like Stahudo and Dana don't seem to be on good terms. At the very least, Dana doesn't really seem to care about Stahudo in that whole fight. Let's say come December, if they're having trouble putting together a pay-per-view headliner, don't be surprised if they go to the well with Triple C and Volk. I mean, Volk City might want to slip in another one before the end of the year, at the very least. Probably, uh, probably January. So, but we'll, we'll see somewhere down the line. Volkanovski finally getting his... his I mean, it's depending on if Max can finish that fight early, too. Think about it. Let's say, hypothetically, Max first round finish. Max is like, I'll see you in December, Volk. I don't Let's think so, man. I don't think... I really don't think Holloway's going to take that fight on one month's notice. Oh, fuck, really you're right. Stuff. I didn't think about that. I'll, it'd be dude. it'd be one month notice because they're fighting in November. Volk said he wants to fight in either December or January, and late, honestly, late January. Hollywood would need a training camp for that dude. That's that's in a very big fight for him. I don't know. I mean, it'd be dependent. You know, I'm sure it'd just be dependent on a lot of things, depending but, on how he feels after that fight and how that fight goes. Uh, I think there's a possibility. You know, I know I know probably taking it as short of that probably wouldn't be a big good thing for him, but. I don't know, man. If the opportunity is there, you take it. I mean, that'd be my mentality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Ultimately, though, Volk finally getting his his just due. I saw him at the Raiders game like the the following night, getting a huge applause from the crowd, dude. Like he he finally got it, man. He's been wanting that respect because a lot of people feel like he lost deservedly or not deservedly. A lot of people feel like he lost either that first Holloway fight or that second one or both. So he finally got it with that win over Ortega. Good for him, man. Co-main event. I don't think we're gonna spend a whole lot of time on this one. Chevchenko beats Murphy. Uh, via third round, excuse me, fourth round finish, uh, just battering her, knocking her down, getting some huge elbows. What do you do now, Angel? What do you do? I mean, like, what, like, what more do we have to see out of Valentina Shevchenko? We were both, you know, people going a lot of people for a while now have been like, who we need to see Valentina fight Nunes. I've I've long been like, you know what? I don't think she'll do much, but Lauren Murphy deserves a shot. She got her shot. She got annihilated. Is there anybody else? Like, can we just do it at this point? Like, what, what are your thoughts on that whole match? Finally doing the trilogy. I mean, you might as well, right? I mean, what what else do you what else could you do at this point? I it's, it's starting to get boring for her, dude. I feel like I mean, and like I said, I, I said Lauren Murphy would be tough, and she she she'd go out to to the very end, and I I was right, you know, and it wasn't a. You know, he still finished her. I mean, she she did better than what some girls did in the sense of not getting finished very quick. But I mean, that's it's, there's clearly levels, you know, and it, it's it's crazy how much of a gap there is between her and everybody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's that's completely true, dude. There's there's so much of a gap, and the problem is that if you're gonna fight Valentina, you're gonna have to do the thing that a lot of fighters hate to do. You're just gonna have to blitz. You're just gonna have to be like, fuck it. You're gonna have to pull the Brian Ortega. You're gonna be like. Fuck it, I'm ready to die in this cage. I'm going to go in there and kill or be killed. I'm going to come forward, and I'm going to take a lot of punches to the face, but I'm going to give some back too. No fighter at 125 has been willing to do that. Um, I mean, like, the closest thing that we've had, like, you know, I took a round offer. Jennifer Mai took a round offer. That's literally it since she's fought at 125. She's lost a combined two rounds, maybe three if we want to be generous to Joanna and give her two rounds of that fight. 
Um, but even then, I, I couldn't see that, dude. So you got to do 135. If honestly, his problem is like, I don't have too much interest in a trilogy fight. I thought Amanda won both times. People like to say like Valentina got completely robbed in that second fight. I think that's ridiculous. If you look at the media school cards, it's pretty split down the middle. And if you remember that fight, not a whole lot happened. <laughs> Not a whole lot, but not a whole lot happened in that one. I thought Amanda won it either way. She clearly won the first fight pretty decisively with a 10-8 in round one too. So I don't have too much interest in the trilogy. It's just that there's not anything else for her to realistically do outside of stacked title defenses and fights that aren't interesting. Um, at least that Nunez one would be competitive. Who knows though? Nunez has indicated that she wants retirement sometime soon. Um, so we'll see what happens. She has to go to Juliana Pena. Juliana Pena is a very tough fighter, but. Pretty sure we know how that one's going to go. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, People's Main Event Angel. This one, very, very interesting. Um, and I, I'll say this. I've seen it very much down two different paths. Either you thought this is a fun old guy fight where just two legends going to war, or you were completely disgusted, thought Dana White should be arrested for taking advantage of the Nick Diaz, so on and so forth. In the end, Nick Diaz's long return after seven years gone from the game does not go well. To the victor goes the spoils, and Robbie Lawler defeats him via third-round TKO. Nick gets knocked down with a punch. Um, in the moment, we look, we thought that he'd injured himself, and I still think he still, you know, hurt. He did hurt his leg. If you watch back the finish, like most of that, he stumbles into the cage, and like his looks like his legs kind of messed up. Um, but he goes down to one knee, tries to pull guard. Lawler's like, nope, get on up, get on up. Referee asks Nick, do you want to get up? He's like, nope, I'm done. So that's that. Uh, Lawler defeats Nick Diaz for your third round TKO. A couple things I could pull out of this, man. Uh, firstly, where did we go the fight itself? Where did we got Nick's performance? And uh, did Nick Diaz quit in that octagon on Saturday night? I don't know if he quit. I mean, I don't know if he got hurt, you know? We don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know if thing, I don't think we have an official report on that. I mean, if he got hurt, got hurt, you know? Like, what do you want the guy to do? Mm-hmm. And then the performance, I mean, he came out. What do you expect out of a guy who's been out so long? You know, like I told you. I, I said at the the time we did the, the previous show, I was like, the smart pick is Robbie Lawler because he's been active. And if you look at the people he's been fighting, they're fucking killers. And they're they're all ranked. They're all good. They're all fighting. They're trying to fight for a good position. Robbie Lawler's time passed, you know. The only difference is that he's still fighting and Diaz isn't, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, that was evident that night, you know. And for and for a moment there, you know, we had glimpses. It, it, it could have been a fun fight. He's just been out of the game for a while. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like Diaz wasn't as in love with it. I thought I had hopes for it. I thought he was going to come in and do good. And it seemed, you know, there was moments, you know, obviously with the big flurry on and then Diaz coming on a bit. I mean, it was it was looking a little fun. There was a little, you know, when you watch the fight and you watch his previous fights, you could tell something was missing. There wasn't that, uh, that Diaz flair, that Stockton flair, you know? Mm-hmm. So... You know, something wasn't right. You know, uh, uh, he came back to the fight clearly not happy. And even the way he's talking and everything, it took me a little while to accept, you know, because you were sending me all these things and interviews. And I was kind of in denial. I was like, no, this can't be. You know, I'm like, yeah, it's it's, it's all good, man. It's just, you know, trying to get used back to everything. He's not a big fan of press anyway. So, but it, it, it seemed like clearly he he wasn't as invested as maybe we thought or hoped. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, for me, it, it, it you know, I'm, I'm kind of mixed on it, man. I mean, he – Nick Diaz has always says that he hates being there. Like, that's the thing, man. There's a, there's a lot of people that are, like, freaking out on fight. They're like, oh, man, he said he doesn't want to be there. He said he hates fighting. I'm like, man, you got to be new to this game, man. Nick Diaz hates fighting. He always says he hates fighting. 
but it had a little bit of a different vibe that combined with the the moving up the weight class on short notice him not looking in that great a shape and then ultimately him saying no mas on, on saturday whenever it came to that that third round um now i'm not gonna i'm not gonna bash people are like oh man i can't believe he quit in there what happened to like he you know this bullshit i'm like dude I wish more fighters would be like that. I think Nick saw, like, had this been a three-rounder, it'd be different because Nick took round one. Round two was a 50-50. I gave it to Robbie. But, um, you know, going into that third round, two out of the three judges had it tied. Had it been a three-round fight, I think Nick probably would have fought on. But five rounds, he saw that his gas tank was going. His leg was battered. He just took a shot to the nose. That probably broke his nose. Um, I think he's just like, you know what? I, I really don't see a way for him probably win this one. I'm probably just going to – I'm done. I don't think there's a problem with that. In fact, I wish more fighters would do that, dude. And we don't – as much as this is like a combat sport, they're not gladiators. They don't have to fight to the death sometimes. And you could argue, like, maybe Nick doesn't have that fire spirit. I mean, I, I don't know, man. I Like, it was a weird fight because he came out early. Robbie came out throwing bombs, dude. Like, he was – he thought Nick Diaz was this washed guy who didn't want to be in there. And just was going to crumble immediately. Nick Diaz may not be his prime self. He may have not wanted to be in there, but I'll be goddamn it if he didn't give Robbie Lawler hell for two rounds. Um, you could see Robbie's face after the fight. Like the post high presser, he has welts all over him. Like you could tell, like he he went through a fist fight, like a rough one for the last 15 minutes. Um, like Nick, you could tell that he was rusty, but then once he started going, man, he started going to the body. You could tell the boxing was still there. Um, Hey, man, if anything, it was like my sex life. It didn't last very long, but it was good for 15 minutes. <laughs> uh, fair enough, man. Fair enough. Uh, well, it was more like 10, <laughs> but still. <laughs> I was about to say, what are you doing for, for 15 minutes? We got a fucking marathon runner over here. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like, I don't know. I'm kind of in the middle on this. It, it was a weird it was a weird fight. I thought like he once he knocked the rust off, it, it just seemed to have getting going honestly that's kind of the weird part i felt like it was just getting going whenever nick was like nah i'm, I'm done um but that being said it is what it is i'll, I'll put this question for with you do you want to see nick diaz in there again because coming no. out of that fight you said no no you're done no, you're out of the nick diaz business after that one no if you would have came out and it looked a lot different yes but after that one no you know we had talks like maybe kamaru yeah that's all out the door Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, it's just, just be honest. It's it's all at the door. I I got out of that really did. I have more faith in Nathan Diaz now getting a title shot than Nick Diaz. Well, Nate is still closer to his prime, and I I think Nate wants to be in there. Um, I I'm gonna you know what I'm somewhere in the middle. I don't know if I want to see Nick Diaz fight again. It ultimately comes down to um if he comes into better shape. And he actually, you know, if he, if he gets into better shape, he seems to take it more seriously, maybe fights at 170. I think there's some some good fights for him, but I don't think he's at that top level. So, it, it I mean, we know he's not at that top level, obviously. So, it is what it is. If he gets into better shape, sure, I'd be down for it. Maybe some fun fights. Maybe Cowboy. Maybe, um, you know, Mike Perry would be fun. Maybe Connor somewhere down the line. There's some fun fights for him. It's just if he gets into better shape, takes it more seriously, I'd be down for it. Just, just not the Nick Diaz we saw last Saturday. No. Um, this, these last two fights, like we're gonna hold, spend a whole lot of time on. But Arizona uh, Rosa strike, uh, losing to Curtis Blades via wide unanimous decision, 30-27 across all the scorecards. 
Andrade defeating Cynthia Calvillo. What are your quick takeaways from both of those fights? I'm not there's a whole lot there, uh, particularly because Curtis Blades, nothing really happened to that one. We kind of cemented his position. Um, we know that he's nowhere close to a title shot. And Andrade said she knocks out Calvillo, and she's like, yeah, I'm going to go down to 115. <laughs> so, <laughs> Mm-hmm. No, yeah, it's it's all kind of expected. Everything, I feel like those two fights, the direction they were going to go into, we had a pretty good idea. Obviously, Orzino had like the potential bomb, which was always a possibility. Didn't end up happening. But, uh, yeah, no, no, draw it. I mean, we, we knew it was going to happen there, let's just be honest. I mean, maybe there's some hopes, but they didn't end up happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and honestly, I thought that was just... It was kind of a disappointing fight. I mean, the thing about Curtis Blades is he's very much – he's a good guy when it comes to risk management. Um, he's not going to go forward and try to put on a show. He's always going to try and get that dub. He got the dub, and he got – you know, he got his full contract pay. He was on, he's on the, you know, the win and the show, so he got both of them, so good for him. But he's not going to earn too many fans of those performances. I'm still a fan of the guy. I appreciate the fact that, like, he's somebody who's not willing to divot from his game plan no matter what. As far as Andrade goes – I mean, I, I thought that fight was stupid matchmaking. I thought that if there's like a worse, there's no worse matchup in that division than than like for Cynthia Calvillo than Andrade. She's a massive. She's like comes forward, huge tank, mass like an amazing chin, great grappling, good wrestler. She's fighting like Calvillo. She's good like volume striking, but she doesn't have much power. She's not gonna knock her out. She's definitely not gonna submit her or take her down. That was terrible matchmaking from the jump. And then she immediately says she's going back back down to 115. So it was basically a pretty pointless fight. I thought it was stupid to kill off a contender, but that's just my thoughts. Um, normally I ask you here where we're going to go, but, dude, just go one down. Marab Dillashili. What a fucking fight. Like, what, like, what an amazing first round. What an amazing him. first round. Somehow, somehow, dude, Ortega Volkanovski is one of the greatest rounds of a championship fight I've ever seen. But even then, I'm still not even sure if it's round three, as you guys should say. I'm still not even sure if that's the greatest round on the card. Round one of that fight, completely insane. But uh, obviously, outside of that fight, uh, what are some of the ones you wouldn't want to highlight from this one? Uh, well, Chris Dawkins, man. I mean, we got to keep going with the train, you know what I mean? I mean, he yeah. had a – I mean, it was quick, man. They announced it literally probably – what was it, a few hours, like a, few, a day later? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's 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 already getting a, a fight book. It isn't like official, but it's like it's in the works. I mean, his his win was great. He gained a lot of fans that night, and honestly, like his story, likable dude. Obviously, he's taking time off from the precincts, so won't be doing a lot of police work, which I'm sure for his community, I'm you know they're gonna miss him. But you know he'll always be there, and they'll get to see him fight now, and obviously pursue his own dreams and uh and fighting. So I mean, he's getting to live his uh his lifestyle now, and uh. Him and Derek Lewis are set for December 12th or December uh, 18th on that uh, card with Nina Nunes and Amanda Lima. So mm-hmm. that was quick, man. I I I was in the, I was curious to even talk about on the show who's next for Chris Dawkins, but I mean the UFC said hold my beer and I mean it's it's set, you know. Yeah, they wasted no time getting him a fight, which good call by them. Yeah, a day, literally a day. That he has all the hype, you know, and and, and it was a day. Like it, it's it's mind blowing. Like, but honestly, that's awesome. Good for him. I mean, it's going to be his third fight this year. I mean, within a year, though, I'm pretty sure it's like four fights, almost maybe five fights. Like, he's he's killing it, man. Like, honestly, it's it's, it's awesome to see. Hmm. For sure. And honestly, he's one of those rare guys. Like, heavyweight, dude. It's rare to have multiple prospects at the same time, but that's what we've got right now. Him, Tom Aspen, a couple of other guys. 
Everwood's in a good place, dude. Everwood's in a very good place. Um, I mean, obviously, Dan Hooker picked up a nice win. And, dude, I hope they paid out the ass for both of those guys. Him and Nasrat, too. They, they deserve all the pain in the world for what they had to go through. Them stepping on, stepping off the plane and then, like, 10 hours later making weight, absolute legends to hold a lot of them. Uh, Dan Hooker did get the much-needed win, though. So, full credit to him. He's back on the horse. Um, Talia Santos defeating friend of the show Roxanne Montefiore. That one wasn't even close, dude. I don't know where Ma- Roxanne goes from here. She's lost three of her last four. Now, granted, all decisions. Uh, Lauren Murphy fight was close. You know, she beat KJB Lee in the middle there. So, yeah, I don't know. But we'll see what happens. Jalen Turner picked up a nice win. Nick Maximoff picked up a nice win. And Angel flying under the radar this weekend. And... I, you know, we, were, we weren't even hanging out for this fight. Um, did you hear about Matthew Simonsberger defeating Martin Sano Jr.? I did. So, have you heard about our, our, our guy Martin's background there? No. Okay, so he's the weirdest UFC signing of all time. Um, I'm just going to start off the top with that. But he is the weirdest UFC signing of all time. I frankly... You know, there's been some weird ones over the years. There's nothing that really comes close, though. So let's just go ahead and run run through this, right? Martin Sano against Matthew Steinsberger. Matthew is 2-1 and one in the UFC, only loss is to Chaos Williams. Um, and Martin Sano, right, 30 years old. Prior to getting signed by the UFC, he had not fought in 40 years. Nope. So let's, let's start off with that. Let's start off with that. Prior to that, that that fight four years ago, that was actually a draw. Bellator 172. He didn't win that fight against the Curzon. Prior to that, he's coming off back-to-back losses. One against Dominic Waters in the World Series of Fighting, and the other one was a knockout loss to Sam Hamed. Prior to that, he was on a four-fight win streak. He was 4-2-1 and one when he got signed by the UFC. He beat Jeff Neal on that in his second professional he fight. Did he did beat Jeff Neal. That is a good win, but still, that was... Eight years ago, my guy. So this man somehow, I don't, I know that he trains at a Nick Diaz Academy. I, I don't know if he's friends with him or something, but he he's the weirdest UFC signing of all time. Like, like he's, he's not, not even a guy in this weird position. It, and then obviously, I mean, we know what happened. He proceeded to get knocked out in 15 seconds. Nice so, finish, by the way. So it is what it is. Uh, as far as the rest of the car goes, is there anything else we can touch on before we move on? No man, I mean we we highlight everybody. We we put all the high, I mean it's a good it was a good card. I mean it's a good pay per view. It was solid. I mean, and Josh, I mean we're gonna get back to back pay per views here soon enough, man. And I've I've already talked about how you know UFC 269 is the pay per view. We're well, not UFC 269. My bad. UFC 268 is gonna be the pay per view of the year. Oh yeah, hands down. That's the most stacked card I've seen in years. Yeah, and it's only gonna get better. It is. It's 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 only gonna go up from here. And even the week before, we got pay per view. And here's dude, I love it, dude. I know that like people, some people have been like, oh my god, it's a pay per view that like takes place in the morning because it's on Abu Dhabi time. But UFC 267 is a banger. And and it's free. It's on ESPN. It's free if you're in America. It's 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 technically not. I think it's on ESPN Plus, but still. Still though, you're probably already paying for ESPN Plus if you're listening to this. Exactly. I mean, you got. Not God. sponsored. Jan Glover, um, Piotr, and now Corey Sandhagen following uh, Aljamain Sterling not being cleared to compete. Um, 
and then it's just down. Like, I know there's been some fights that obviously Islam lost RDA, but he's, as of right now, is still scheduled to be on the card. Man, that Vol- doesn't matter. There's other fights that are fun. Yeah, Volkov, Tybora, Ankalaev, Ozdemir, Jinglang versus uh, Kazmat, Reboss, Dana Jaroba. Like, Magomed, Ankalaev's on that card, dude. Demir yep. Ezemagulov's on that card, too. And we got Mach 1 Americani like, versus Lerone Murphy. Like, it's, it's a pretty stacked card. It is in a stand stack. Like, we don't have Paul Harris, Ty Toy Voss on that anymore, which also would have been good. And then Islam. Like, this could have been nuts. It's still nuts, though. It's still great. And then you follow it up with next week. Like, if you have both those weekends off and you're into fighting and you're going to get both, like, you're going to have, you're going to experience that. I mean, that is fucking, that is great. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, but dude, that's going to be a banger of a card. That one's, uh, I believe, October 30th. So that's the next pay per view card. But Angel, there is MMA this week. And I'll be goddamned if it's, not the greatest on paper fight night card of the year. Um, it's up there. It's up there. Yeah, exactly. It's definitely up there. Uh, first of all, in the main event, Tiago Maheta Santos taking on Johnny Walker, dude. Huge light heavyweight showdown. Uh, Tiago still ranked number five at light heavyweights. He is coming off of three losses. Now, it's important to specify on those losses. One of them was a fight of the year contender against Glover Teixeira. The other one is a young line, and Alexander Rochester was, was a close but uneventful fight. Uh, and then the John Jones fight in which he nearly arguably did beat John Jones. It was a split decision. He – and obviously that was a split decision in a fight in which he had tore everything. He um, – on his left leg – for his ACL, his PCL, his MCL, and his meniscus, uh, he also had a cracked tibia along with a partially torn right meniscus on his right leg. And he still arguably beat John Jones. So he, three losses does not tell the tale of the tape in that one. Um, Johnny Walker, on the other hand, obviously, at one point, Angel, this, is, this guy was insanely hyped up. Like, I can't even... Coming into the UFC, obviously, he won a contender series. Um, he knocked out Kula Roundtree. Um, he knocked out Justin Ledet, then he knocked out Misha. He was on an insane run, like three and on the UFC, three knockouts, all performance bonuses. And, you know, it seems like his hype train was off. It was, it was on the rails, dude. It was fast as shit. Corey Anderson comes, he immediately destroys that hype train, knocks him out. He loses a quiet fight to Krylov. It was the first UFC COVID card. It was in Brazil. It was in a weird time. Nobody really cared. It, it, nothing really happened. Um, he rebounds the knockout win over Ryan's fan last September, and now he's finally getting his first pay-per-view main event. Angel, we got the two Brazilians throwing down. What do you think about this one? I mean, first of all, great for the Brazilian market. I mean, they're going to love this. I mean, it's it's a fucking – it's fucking great matchmaking. Let me just put it out there, right? I mean, you got a guy who's – Johnny Walker, a fucking fun guy, always comes out with – he has a flair to him, right? He has that swagger. That's the shit you like to see. Thiago Santos is a fucking killer, dude. I mean, we were talking yeah. about him before the show – how fucking amazing he is and the 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 fact that he's fought at three different weight classes and you know all that but uh i mean it's it's a great fucking matchmaking man i mean i know you're you're kind of on the fence about it i'm just gonna get into it josh i'm picking tiago santos i think he's gonna win it Ooh, picking tiago that's a i you know I'll, i mean i i like the matchmaking actually i'm I just like not it. sure if it's a good fight for tiago to take on this young lion after you know, three losses in a row. I thought they should have given him a layup whenever he came back from injury, let alone. You hey, know. man, like I told you, he has a win over the former champ. You look at that Jones loss. It was cl- John Jones loss. It was close. The Glover fight, fucking banger. The Rockets fight, not much happened. Not very exciting. Obviously, my big thing is with him is I don't know if he's like 
fully healthy. I hope he is. Obviously, he, like, fucking destroyed his legs. But, uh, hey, man, against Johnny Walker, I mean, I think he can beat a guy like Johnny Walker. Like, I feel like if, if there's a, a matchup that he can be, it'd be a wild guy like Johnny Walker. You know, he could. He, I feel like he could dictate that fact, take you know, take control early on, maybe get a takedown in there, make it difficult for him. I know that's not necessarily, like, his whole style, but I have faith in the guy. Like, I feel like he could come out here and do something. Mm-hmm. No, no, and I get that. I'm just saying, like, it's 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 a tough matchup to take whenever you have three losses in a row. And you didn't – I mean, you're right. I mean, the Jones loss was close. Glover fight was fight of the year. I mean, the thing about Jones is, like, dude, it's crazy to think about. He's one judge's scorecard away. He's still the only person to take a uh, a scorecard off of John Jones, which on one hand kind of talks about how bad judging is, considering a lot of people thought he lost both the Gus and the – I mean, he definitely lost the Reyes fight. But still, te- technically, Santos is the only person to take a scorecard off of John Jones. If one more person thought he won that fight at the judges' table, he's champ. Just insane to think about. Regardless, yeah, it is a it is a tough matchup. That being said, I am actually, I'm, I'm in line with you, dude. Uh, Johnny Walker, I like him a lot. He's a very wild guy, but I, I just I'm not a believer in him as a contender. He's 29, so he's six six. He's huge. Um, but there's nothing I've seen out of him to suggest that he is on the same level as Tiago. Yes, Tiago is older. Yes, he has a lot of wear and tear. Um, but even coming out of that Glover fight and even the Rochester fight, I'm like, that's still a top five, top six light heavyweight on the planet. You know what I mean? Um, and I, I don't think John Walker's there, at least not yet. So I'm going to go ahead and take Tiago here. I think it's going to be a very good fight, a very wild fight for sure. There's no way one's not entertaining, but I am going to go and take Tiago in the main event. Moving on down, co-main event time, middleweights, Kevin Holland, Kyle Dawkins. Uh, obviously, Kevin Holland at one point was seen as, you know, a potential future champion. Maybe not future champion, but at the very least future title contender. Um, he put together, I believe, six wins within 2020, uh, five wins, excuse me, in 2020 alone. Uh, beating Anthony Hernandez, Joaquin Buckley, Darren Stewart, Charlie Altaveros, and Jacare Souza. Uh, following that, he gets his first main event against Derek Brunson. Doesn't go too well for him. Then he takes on Mar- Marvin Vittori's second main event, takes it on short notice, does not go well for him once again. Kyle Dawkins, younger brother of Chris Dawkins, who we mentioned earlier, uh, he's been okay. You know, he's 10-2, and two, former Cage Fury champion, but since joining the UFC, he's had an up-and-down run. Um, win, decision winner for Dustin Stolfis, but he's coming off of losses to Brendan Allen and Phil Haas via decision. Uh, what do you think about this one in the Coleman slot? Picking Kevin Holland, dude, maybe even a finish, honestly. I feel like Kyle Dawkins is, like, really hittable. And then with a guy with Kevin, like, you know, Kevin Holland is no Israel Adesanya, but his striking is pretty crisp, dude. Like, you got to give the guy credit. I mean, he's landed some nice hits. Even in that Derek Brunson fight, you saw he, like, managed to slip one in, and he hurt Brunson. You know, and Kevin Holland isn't a guy who walks at a very big at 185. He's, he's He, like, Fights very close into the weight range. He doesn't cut a lot of weight. That's my big issue with him at 185. I wish he would put on a little bit of size because I think he'd be chilling with a little extra, like, five pounds of muscle, dude, at 185. Maybe even a little bit more than that. I don't know. It'd be dependent on what he's comfortable at. But he's a, he has fucking hands, dude. He's strong. He has that, like I told you, he has, like, skinnier Izzy-type build. Not as much, you know, muscle as Izzy. But, uh, and then obviously not the same fights. So I'm just comparing him because of body type and kind of that longer length. And mm-hmm. then a guy like Kyle Dawkins, dude, I think he's going to touch up Kyle Dawkins all night. And then when Kevin Holland's been putting in that work with wrestling, I think Kyle's always going to try to go to that. If Kyle doesn't have the kind of wrestling Derry Brunson had, I don't think it's going to be a good night for Kyle Dawkins. Mm. For sure. You mentioned something there. He's very hittable. 
And for all that Kevin Hollins has issues on takedown defense, I know he's been working with Johnny Hendricks, actually. Um, Yo, shout out. Shout, <laughs> out. shout out Big Rig. He's taking on the coaching role. He's actually going to be in his corner. Oh, which, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. This, That's this, a this good choice. Out. That's a smart guy. Johnny Hendricks, dude, people hate him for a variety of reasons, which I never thought was fair, but he is still a monster. I still think that if Johnny Hendricks got his diet right, he'd still be fighting in the UFC. Wait, didn't Johnny Hendricks become like a cop? He, I know that, I think he's splitting time. I think he's like part-time police officer, and I also know that he's training coaching now. Yo, shout out to that. That's fucking awesome, dude. Yeah, he's he's made a, he's honestly, he's made a good turnaround, dude, since since leaving the UFC. He's, he's got his life on track. Good for Johnny good, Hendricks, but yeah. Good for him, good for him. Yeah, Kevin Holland, he, that's his main uh, wrestling coach now, and Johnny Hendricks is a legitimate super, I mean, he's the only guy that went toe-to-toe in terms of wrestling with GSP and his prime, so, um, yeah, like Kevin Holland, he's gotten things on the right track. I'm a big believer in him. Kyle Dawkins' takedown game is pretty good, but he's very hittable, like you said. Even Vittori, who has a block of a head, neither got knocked out by Kevin Holland in that fifth round. Those guys uh, got hurt from yeah. And like I said, he's not a big 185er either. Like it's not like he's carrying no. as much power as he could be and mass. Like no, not at all. Yeah, no. So I, I'm gonna take Kevin Holland here as well. But Angel, dude, this entire main card. Absolute bangers. We don't have to get picks for these, but I figured we might as well just go down the entire main card, um, or at least most of it. Dude, the next fight, Oliveira, Nico Price. This is this is fight of the night written all over it, dude. This is about as good as well, that's gets. any fight Nico Price has ever been in, right? <laughs> yeah, but particularly real. Alex Oliveira. Was the last time I saw Oliveira in a boring fight? No, you're not wrong, but you know what I mean. Nico Price is that guy though, who you're like. Mm-hmm. You know, we said it. We've said that for his last three fights. You know, last yeah. maybe even four fights. I mean, James Vick, Vicente Luque, Cowboy, Michelle Perea. Like, it's not a surprise that we're saying it again. Yeah. And you know, to be fair, all those fights are bangers too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you know, there we go. Um, yeah, man, it's it's a uh, it's it's a very very fun fight there. Obviously, Aspen Ladd, Macy Chason is a very, very big matchup to open up the card. Aspen Ladd, obviously, if Nunez doesn't want to do the trilogy with Valentina, which honestly is her call. She beat her twice. Um, the winner of this fight could be getting the next title shot. Macy Chason, 7-1, and one, only lost to Delina Landry. That was years ago. Um, she's recovered two wins in a row. Aspen Ladd, obviously, I mean, she's really, really young. I don't want to rush her into a title shot, but I truly believe she's somebody that will be a future champion. She's still only 26 years old. Uh, she's th- uh, ranked number three. She's going to have a knockout win over Yannick Unitskaya. Winner of this one could potentially be fighting for the title next, depending on how things go. Um, obviously, as far as the rest of the card goes, outside of the matchups I went and highlighted, what are some of the ones you personally want to talk about? I mean, Misha Sergenal, Christoph Jocko, I mean, that's going to be a banger. Like, that that could also be, like, maybe a fight of the night or, like, a crazy finish. Like, let's just put it out there. Yeah. I think Alexander Hernandez, Alexander the Great is back. I mean, Josh, I mean, finally, they give him, like, it was originally to be, originally supposed to be the fucking killer, fucking Leonardo Santos, almost <laughs> beating Grant Dawson. Grant Dawson coming back with the big finish, dude. I thought that was a good step down for Alexander Hernandez because we're him a guy who is really experienced, tough as fuck, coming off a loss. Like, that was cool. There's an opponent changeup. Mike Breeden, I might be mispronouncing it, is coming in as a replacement. It's 10 and 3, fights out of glory. Lee Summit's very own. That's what it says. Uh, you know, two fight, one streak. Obviously, this is a big moment. You finally like contender series, loss. This is his second chance. You know, they always like bringing guys back who maybe lost in the contender series or won and didn't get a chance. And 
this is a fucking hard assignment, man. Regardless, dude, I, I, I don't know. Uh, like I said, Alexander Hernandez, regardless of who you are, that's a tough fight, dude. The guy hits so fucking hard. And I, like I said, the, the, the big thing with me was he needed that step down in competition, and he's finally getting it. I think this is what it is. Uh, I don't know how long they're going to keep him with these guys who aren't ranked. I, I think they need to build him back up. It's 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 an interesting spot he's in. I hope he gets it figured out, and I wish him a lot of luck. And obviously, a lot to obviously to Mike who's coming in on short runs. A lot of luck to him too, because obviously that's a tough assignment. Mm, of course, and dude, I mean, I'm glad to see Alexander Hernandez getting a step back. Though, obviously, Mike Breeden could be a beast. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he's a world beater, right? Maybe he's just gonna come in. And he's like, yeah, man, y'all y'all didn't know, but I'm maybe. Here. But dude, just just here's some of the names that he has fought, um, just since joining the UFC. Benil Dariush, Oliver Ogon Mossier, Donald Cerrone, Francisco Trinaldo, Drew Dober, Chris Gertzmacher, and Tiago Moises. Those guys are all killers. Every single – even the worst guy on that list is Chris Gertzmacher, who just came off a win over Rafa Garcia, and he beat Joe Lozon. Even the, the worst guy on that list is an accomplished UFC guy, like who has a winning record. Like every other guy in that list has been ranked at one point or is currently ranked. That's insane. Um, for a kid that's still only 28 years old. So Alexander the Great, I'm glad to see that he's getting a step back. And I still got a high upstart, man. Like, I think he can figure out his cardio. Like, that's honestly the one thing. He's on thing the Kevin Lee that. issue, dude. Do you think he's on the Kevin Lee, like, type shit? I think it's the same thing, honestly. I don't necessarily think that. I think, like, lightweight is his weight class. I just think he needs to figure out his cardio. We, that's what I'm saying. Just, oh, I thought you were talking about, like, in, no, least, no. like in between weight classes thing. I know, but we already discussed, like, it is yeah. the weight to an issue, but at the same yeah, time, yeah. it's. It's only so much of the issue, too. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, but yeah, dude, I'm, I'm happy to see him getting a step back and flying under the radar, dude. Fetch Cohea, her retirement fight is on the undercard. Is I don't this official? Know, like, this it's, is a, it's, yeah, this is, she actually announced her retirement. Uh, I want to say after her last fight, and then she's like, you know, well, I don't know if she like officially announced it, but she was like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to give it one more, and that'll be my last one. She's taking on Carol Rosa at 135. What a uh, Rosa, that's a that's a brutal matchup, dude. That's a tough fight for her. She's won three fights in a row. Um, but dude, Betch, I've always I hate to say it, I've always been a fan. I, I don't hate to say it, but it like may surprise people. I'm a big fan of Betch Koya. Always liked her. Don't know why. Uh, she's generally very aggressive. Always comes forward. And just her story. Do you know Do you know Betch Koya's story at all, Angel? Didn't she like go to like same like a lot of like a funny enough like a lot of these women they went to go lose like weight or something and they kind of like ended up like seeing a class there and like just mm-hmm. got into the sport like that? She was legitimately like seventy five pounds overweight I think, and then she went and uh, obviously she just started training, gotten like started training with like the Pitbull brothers. They took her under her wing. She ends up like after like three years of training, four years of training, ends up fighting for a UFC title. Hell of a story. Ron, and uh, fought she, Ronda, dude, isn't that crazy? She fought Ronda in Brazil. Um, I remember that fight. That fight was super hyped up because like I people, remember that we saw that. Yeah, together. UFC 190, I think. Um, because that fight, both of them were undefeated, and Petrohea had literally. It was a pro wrestling storyline, dude. She had been taking down because obviously her what's Ronda, the four horse women, I think. It's like her, Shayna Baszler, Jessamyn Duke, and somebody else. And she had knocked out Jessamyn Duke and Shayna Bays like back to back before that fight. Just like, and she like after every fight, she had like four fingers up and was just taking one down, then one down, then one down, and all that's left was Ronda. And she fought her in Brazil and got knocked out brutally. But like, the lead up was fun. Um, obviously, since that, everything was pretty much downhill. 
Uh, for the most part, you beat this guy, beat Sajara Eubanks, who's a win that's aged hella well. Um, Marion Renault, that was a fun fight years ago. But yeah, man, she it's her last fight. Shout out Betchko, a hell of a career. Uh, good for her. Uh, Antonia Shevchenko is on the undercard. She's facing Casey O'Neill. That's a rough fight, dude. That's a really rough fight. Uh, I think we're going to learn a lot about Casey O'Neill in that one. She's 2-0 in the UFC. She beat Sheena Dobson and Laura, Laura Precipico, I believe is how you pronounce her name. Uh, so she's 2-0. She's a very good prospect. Uh, obviously, the older Shevchenko sister, I'm not sure what her end game is in the UFC. I really don't know what her end game is, but um, you, it'll be a fun fight, really. She's, she's given us a lot of entertaining fights in her time in the promotion. Yeah, dude. Hell of a fight card overall. A whole lot of fun ones. But, Angel, there's more MMA this weekend. In fact... Holy fuck, right? This mm-hmm. is, in my opinion, arguably the greatest fight of the weekend. Full stop. No, you can't argue that. Yeah, I don't think you can argue that. Yeah. Um, Douglas Lima, former multi-time Bellator champion at welterweight. Uh, he's ranked number eight in their pound-for-pound, pound, ranked number one at welterweight. He's, uh, he is coming off of back-to-back losses, but it's important to put that in perspective. He was a champ. He was looking to become a champ champ. He was welterweight champion. Goes up to fight Gegard Mousasi. That was a close fight. He ends up losing via decision. He doesn't get the middleweight one. So there we go. That's his first loss. Second one is to the undefeated Yaroslav Amoslav, who is a straight-up beast. Um, and that was a fight. It wasn't close necessarily. We didn't get. He didn't get tooled out of there either. He got um, controlled though on the ground. Yeah. So that that is back-to-back loss, but it's important to, to you know losses don't always tell the tale. Oh no. Before that, dude, he had won six of seven. Um, against Paul Daly, Andre Korshkov, twice Korshkov, Lorenz Larkin, Rory McDonald, and Michael Venom Page. Michael Venom Page, that was his one loss in his career back in 2019, the Beltor World Grand Prix. Um, pretty much regarded, I think, is probably one of the greatest 170 pounders on the planet, but he just has never fought somebody of the top tier, of the top caliber, I'd say. Um, obviously, we know how good he is. It's just he never fought anybody in the top caliber. I mean, he's facing good guys. Like Derek Anderson is pretty good. He just knocked him out recently. Shinzo Azai was pretty good. Um, Paul Daly's good. David Rickles is a you know great guy as well. A couple of other good guys in his resume. But the one that sticks out is Douglas Lima. Now they're going over. They're in the UK. It's in his home country. Lima, MVP2. Winner of this. Should probably get a title shot next. Angel, what do you think, man? Fucking banger. I'm picking MVP, Josh. You don't even need to get into it. I'm just letting you fucking know right now. He's coming for fucking blood, dude. I'm on the fucking hype train. This man is underpromoted, underappreciated. He's not fighting cans. He's a fucking beast. He's going to prove with this thug is going to win. Let's go, champ. Let's (laughs) fucking go. Let's fucking go. He is is undertrained, undervalued. He is undermotivated, and he's still good enough to beat this guy. Okay, I'm going Michael Venom Page. Via finish, I think people te- tend to forget that before Michael Venom Page got finished in that fight against Douglas Lima, you know why he got finished? Because he rushed in, which is not his normal style, and got finished after catching Lima. He hurt him bad, dude. And he went in, Lima landed a, just a low leg kick. MVP went down, and he got hit with a hammer fist from hell and got put to sleep as he was getting up, dude. It is... 
he is criminally underrated. People like to act like Benham Page. It's just some can crusher. And it's so frustrating, dude. It is so frustrating. Ross Houston is a good guy. Derek Anderson is a very good guy. Shinzo Azai fought in the UFC. Paul Daly, we know how good he is. David Rickles, very good guy. Cyborg Santos, very good guy. Um, but people just like to act like, you know, he's just crushing cans. This is his, he's getting this one back, dude. I, I'm, like I said earlier, dude, I'm, I'm picking him. I think this is MVP's time. I think the way that we saw him dismantle Derek Anderson shows he's only still getting better. Um, and I, I think it's his time, dude. I really think it's his time. I think that um, an Amoslav fight is not a good matchup for him, but I'll be goddamned if I don't want to see it really bad. Right. So, right. So, it's going to be a hell of a fight, dude. It's not going to be easy. He's going to have to walk through fire to get there. But I think that uh, Lima, he's hungry for a win for his last two fights. And I think Michael Vinopage, he's hungry to get that one back. I think he does. I think it's going to be his biggest moment of his career. Uh, we're not going to spend too much time on this one, on this fight card, outside of that main event. It's it's a rough one, but I'll I'll bring up this co-main event. We'll pick for this one as well. Liam McCourt, dude. Uh, I feel like Bellow's kind of propositioned her to be kind of a future star within the company, at the very least one of the leaders of the women's division. Uh, she fights at uh, 145. And that's a division that's pretty much lacking in talent. She's already ranked number five. She's 5-1 and one in her career. She's coming off of four, excuse me, five straight wins. Um, for those within Bellator, a couple of those being finished as well. Uh, what do you think about Liam McCourt taking on Jessica Baraga in the Coleman? I mean, she's a little badass, dude. I mean, she I, I looked at some of her stuff. She has she has some good submission game from what it looks like. And dude, she has a split decision win over Manor Ferro, and she's a fucking killer, dude. I mean, granted, that's that was in her second fight. She had lost the one before that. She had gone and finished, and then she took on the assignment of Marin Manor Ferro and her debut in one be a split decision. I don't know how it was at the time how that fight went. That was in 2018. It hasn't been. It hasn't been very long since 2018. Let's be realistic. Mm-hmm. And that's a solid win. Yeah, that's a very solid win. Um, I am very high on Leah McCourt, man. Uh, I'm assuming you're going to go ahead and take her as well. But, dude, I mean, she she fights at SBG. She's very, very young. Uh, she's 28, I believe. She's won multiple fights in a row. She's a little badass, dude. I don't want to see them rush her into a cyborg fight too quick. I think that we're a ways away from that. Obviously, Cyborg is supposed to fight Katz and Gano next, I believe. I'm not sure if that's officially said yet, but that that's the fight that they're looking I'm to on make. It. <laughs> I'm on it. Yeah, that's the fight they're going to make, I, I believe, unless there's some sort of issue with Kat I don't know about. I know they've not been yet. trying to make that one. But, yeah, dude, Liam McCourt, she's ranked number five. I, I'm going to take her in this one. Jessica Baraga, I I mean, I know she's three and three. I believe she's fine. Not the UC. In both were four. Um not to discount her, but I think this is clearly positioned for her to get a big win here and to move up the rankings. Maybe I'd like to see her. I'd honestly like to see her fight maybe a Arlene Blenko or a Leslie Smith after this. But yeah, dude, that's gonna be that's gonna be a good fight for her. As far as the rest of the card goes, is there literally any other fight you want to highlight? This one's it, it's it's rough outside of that. Yeah, you got it pretty packed. No, 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 no. Yeah, the only the only guy I will highlight, uh, shout out Rob Whiteford. This is a guy. He's on the you know third from the billing from the top. I guess I should say, former fighter in the UFC. He had a bit of a mixed run. He beat Daniel Pineda, beat Paul Redmond, got uh, he lost to Darren Elkins, Lucas Martin, got released. Since then, he's gone on to ACB, had a hell of a run there, beat Nam Fan, uh, goes on to Bells where he just beat Sam Cecilia back in 2019. That was his last fight. So, yeah, he's coming back as well. This should be a fun card. Bells where they do these fight cards, which for better or for worse, they're basically regional cards, but with a big headliner. Um, 
which I think they're fun because they tend to give these guys some more exposure than what they normally get, some of these Europe guys. So it should be a lot of fun, that one. Very, very fun one. But, uh, Angel, last topic on the show. It happened. Uh, last, let me, we're done with the MMA side. This is, this is boxing now. Anthony Joshua defending in Tottenham against Alexander Usyk. Dude, he, he did it. He pulled off the improbable. Alexander Usyk not only defeated Anthony Joshua, he defeated him in a way that everybody thought was impossible. He goes into Joshua's home country, and he somehow pulls out a decision win after a dominating performance in which I thought is one of the greatest performances I've seen in a long time. I think I gave Joshua three or I want to say three rounds, um, which is what one of the judges had. Uh, scorecards read 113-115 for Usyk, 112-116, and 112-117. So, dude, uh, it, is, it is what it is. What do you think about Usyk's performance? And personally, what do you think about Joshua moving forward, man? This is his second loss in his last four fights. They're going to run it back. He's already activated the rematch clause. But I know that you said you didn't watch it on the night of. Did you go back and rewatch it later? I saw little clips. I saw little bits. And, I mean, dude, I saw the, the swelling on the eye like you mentioned. And the real controversy, I saw the uh, – the uh the the early, like uh the timer that it got stopped like what'd you say 15 seconds early it was what it was uh, like? i believe it was five seconds dude it looked it looked, it looked like more than that i'm not gonna lie like that i could have sworn i saw like 15 and they, it was going like pretty much didn't call that i might be I'm probably wrong but still I, it was i knew it was early of course that's not a fact it, it doesn't have to be accurate <laughs> yeah regardless it was early the bell wrong got early like, that, that's a fact of life right now let's just not even question it you know what i mean mm-hmm uh, yeah, yeah, no, it's crazy, crazy. It's home, home, not hometown, but in England too, dude. Fucking, fucking savage. That's the way you want to do it. Exactly, the absolute savage. Which is why I mentioned, like, if he won, I feel like the general, the general thing was he's gonna have to win via finish, because it, it's first of all, getting a decision at all in boxing is damn near impossible. It's even more impossible whenever you're in that guy's home country, home cooking is a massive thing in boxing. Dude. It doesn't matter whether you're the the promoter. It doesn't matter whether you're like, like the promoter has like a vested interest, I guess I should say. Um, so on and so forth. There is just, I don't know, man. It was, it was, it was incredible. The fact that he was able to pull it out, just like, here's the thing. If you guys have not watched the fight, um, you know, this is an MMA show. First and foremost, we talk about other sports, but we're an MMA show. Let's be honest. Um, but dude, just, we I encourage combat. everybody, huh? We love combat. We do love combat in general. So we'll, we'll talk about MMA, jiu-jitsu, kickboxing, boxing, whatever. Um, I would encourage everybody to go watch this because this is – there are a few things. Like as much as I love MMA, I've always loved MMA. Boxing, I don't talk about it a whole lot. It's basically my first love because my dad is really into boxing. Um, and yeah. I watched a lot of old Tyson fights. He's really big into Tommy Morrison in the 80s. I don't know why. Um, probably because you're an Oklahoma guy. That's where we're from. I was about to say, that makes sense. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, uh, so boxing is my first and foremost love. That's something I like. I watch it more now, but whenever a big boxing fight comes up like this one, this was pure fucking theater, dude. Like Joshua coming out, the fire behind him. He looks like, he looks like in, looks like a movie, dude, in a stadium full of what? 50,000, 60,000 people. All it looks like fucking point. Creed. Let's just be honest. It looks like looks fucking like Creed. Creed. Yeah. Like the final fight in Creed. It doesn't even look real. <laughs> it doesn't. And you have one guy, that one guy, Alexander Yusuf. He's the one guy in the building who thinks that he can beat 
Anthony Josh. I'm not. I mean, I'm sure it's trainers up. You know what I mean? Like he is one of a few people in that building that are that think he can actually do it. Joshua towers over him, and Usyk, for as much as we know how good he is as a boxer, he's not unbeatable. Derek Chisarova gave him hell before this dude. Um, and despite all that, despite the fact that he's fighting in his opponent's home country, despite the fact that he's the undersized guy, despite the fact that he's the betting underdog, despite the fact that it seemed impossible for him to win, let alone get a decision, he goes up there and puts on the performance of his life. He comes out firing, dude. Joshua starts coming back, and around round seven, round eight, Joshua has won three or four rounds at that point in a row, and it's like, damn, they're about even. Usyk looks tired. This this may be the beginning of the end, dude. And that's that's that championship mentality. That's that mob mentality. Dude. He flips the switch. Even though he's tired, he's like, fuck it. I got to push on through. And he starts pushing on through. He wins the remaining of the fight. He nearly knocks out Joshua. I mean, like you mentioned, had the bell not gone off early, he probably would have knocked out Anthony Joshua. Like, what an insane thing to do just in, in that position in, in his home country. That was just insane. I'll put this question forth to you. Uh, do you, first of all, A, do you have any interest in a rematch between these two? And B, I mean, do you think Joshua can can pull it off regardless? Dude, I fucking, dude, I'm pissed because I waited an hour and a half for, for the match to happen. Then I took a fucking nap, missed it, and ended up being a fucking banger. Of course I wanted a rematch, man. You kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> of course I want a rematch. And uh, you do it. I mean, you've done it before, but I wouldn't be able to do it again. He came out. I mean, I'm I'm looking at some of the highlights right now. I'm, I'm playing it live while we're doing it. So you're gonna kind of my live reaction here. But he came out that that Andy Ruiz fight super. And I mean, super light on his feet. I mean, it wasn't a Muhammad status, but he was super light on his feet. He was in and out. I'm looking at this Uzi one. I mean, it's not the same style, but maybe he comes out like that. Maybe he could do something against Uzi. And like you said, he was winning those early rounds. He knows he's capable of beating him. He's experienced what he has. I mean, there has to be, there has to be something. And like, like we said, Josh, you know, I, I just because I like to, just, just because I like to shit on some fans who are assholes. I mean, all the Joshua, you know, believers and you know, like the big <laughs> Joshua fans. It's kind of like, dude, your king has been dropped twice now. You know what I mean? Like he's been stopped twice now, or I should say one time. But you know, he's been defeated. I mean, you can't really def- – how hard can you defend this guy anymore? You know what I mean? Like, I'm just going to yeah. be honest with you. I mean, when it comes to the best heavyweights in the world, and I, we've had this conversation, Josh. I've always said Josh was on the le- – um, not not one or two. Like, he's definitely third, in my opinion. Maybe even fourth now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I mean, look, look, dude. It's like Josh was in such a weird position because it's one thing for him to have lost this fight, right? It's another to have the shadow looming over him of, A, Tyson Fury. Because Fury, I mean, we know that he's kind of, I'm not sure if he's dwarfed him in popularity. He has in the States, for sure. But Josh was an A-list celebrity in the UK. Oh, yeah. Uh, but in terms in of, UK. like, pound-for-pound status, in terms of history status, Tyson Fury is arguably already overtaking him. And then you add in the fact that Joshua has now lost two of his last four. I don't personally see the adjustments that Joshua can make from this fight to another one. Because it's not like the way that... Okay, look, he got beat by Andy, right? The way he got beat by Andy is because he tried to fight inside with a brawler. He got... He he knocked him down. He got overzealous. He goes in for the kill, and he gets put down with, with a hard shot of his... With, by, by Ruiz, obviously. And following that, you know, he was, he was on Queer Street for the rest of the fight. He had no idea where he was, dude. Like, he was in a bad state. So I don't particularly blame him for that. And... 
like in terms of like that loss. Obviously, he made a he made a critical critical mistake that led to his downfall. This one, he just got out he got outpaced. He got outstruck. Like there's not a whole lot I can see for him to do. Like the, like even then, like I could see him being a tough matchup for Fury. I'd pick Fury over him because the main reason why I think how you're going to beat Usyk, I'm a dumbass. I don't know shit about boxing. Um, but how you're going to beat Usyk, in my opinion, you're going to have to be the bigger man in there. You're going to have to lean on him. You're going to have to try and make it a rough and dirty fight. And Joshua, dude, anytime he tries to go in to do that, and you saw it in the Usyk fight, anytime he tried to go in, when he tried to get inside, Joshua's not a bad inside fighter, but anytime he tried to, Usyk is such, has such a fast jab, he's such a fast counter, that he would immediately get popped anytime he tried to get inside. I think Fury's the guy that can withstand that. I don't think Joshua can, which is why you saw him try to fight on the outside, which he was already losing. Um, I don't know how he wins it, honestly. I mean, I'm not going to doubt Anthony Joshua. I think Joshua has proved by this point that, like, he's one of the greatest heavyweights on the planet. He has a, an amazing resume, dude. He can walk away right now and be considered a top 15 status. But the point is, is that I'm not sure how he's going to get this one done. But at the end of the day, it is what it is. Probably going to run the rematch back. I'm not sure if he's officially activated the rematch clause, but it's a mere formality at this point. Uh, so as far as the fight goes, man, is there anything else you want to touch on that fight in particular or anything else before we close out? No, man. I mean, obviously, you know, uh, it's it's been a few days now. We've kind of taken it in. I haven't gotten to listen to a lot of media about it yet and kind of like the aftermath. There was like a decent amount, but it wasn't like it wasn't everywhere for me. Did you end up seeing it a lot? Like it wasn't I thought it was going to be more. I don't know, more out there, you know, because it was, it, wasn't, it was an upset, right? Like, it really was. I mean, it wasn't like the major upset, but it was an upset, right, to an extent. It was an upset. I, I don't know the exact betting odds, but it was a it was an upset. I want to say Josh was a 3-1 to one favorite. I'm sure in UK media, like, if we lived in Europe, it'd be, like, a bigger deal. Oh, yeah, Joshua's, Joshua is not that big of a star here. Yeah. At all. So that that's the issue, but, uh, yeah, man, no, it's... it's uh, it's been done. It's happened. Obviously, we got to wait for the rematch now whenever that happens. And obviously, I mean, here in two weeks, we have a, another big heavyweight match coming up, dude, which that'll define who probably fight the next guy. Like, you know, one of these guys after this, I'm assuming, right? They have to, right? And whenever that fights one of these guys of that rematch. Mm-hmm. So, we get to see what the final matchup will be at heavyweight. The, the grand tournament's ending. I know. And honestly, I'm I'm excited about it, dude. I think my my biggest fear, a lot of people are like really upset that the Fury Joshua fight isn't probably going to happen. I I mean it's it's almost definitely not going to happen, right? Like Fury has one foot out the door and Joshua's probably going to lose again to Usyk. But that fight never really intrigued me. I was personally more of a fan of the other match. Like I was more intrigued in just as example Usyk versus Fury and Joshua versus Wilder. That intrigues me more because those fights I think are truly fifty fifties. I think I think Fury beats Joshua nine times out of ten. Um, just by pure matchups. I think Wilder Fury, dude, people are really sleeping on Deontay Wilder. I really think they are, dude. I, I like I, I still don't know if Deontay Wilder is in terms I of mean, like you, you don't put out like thirty nine guys and not you know not be skilled. You know what I mean? Or have something there. That's just he just real. he here's the problem is that Deontay Wilder is a guy that a lot of people shit on forever. They're like, oh, he's not a good boxer. He only has the right hand. Blah 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 blah. And, you know, to a certain extent, the right, he's, he's a guy that picks and chooses his shots. He, he's very much careful in that. He's a huge right hand. He always wins via knockout, as if that's somehow a bad thing. Yeah, um, that's, the, that's the way you want to end fights. Exactly. Normally. I think that's always ridiculous. I'm like, the point of boxing is to hit and not get hit. 
Deontay Wilder was one of the greatest. He was a champion for five fucking years. He knocked out some of, like, he, first of all, he technically knocked out Tyson Fury, right? Like, in terms of, if we use an actual stopwatch rather than an old referee, then Deontay no, Wilder wins that first fight. But even then, excluding that, he knocked out Luis Ortiz twice, knocked out Vermin Stavern twice, like, only once. One of them was a decision. Uh, he knocked out Chris Arriola, Brazil. He, um, oh, Brazil to sleep. <laughs> Lukovich years ago, which is probably super underrated win, Sergey Lukovich. Um, Sergey, excuse me, not Sergey. Um, but yeah, dude, I think people are really, really underestimating Wilder. And I think the fact that they've had this long time off, I don't want to get into it because we're like oh, we're a couple days out from that fight, two weeks or so. Yeah, 14 but, days. Yeah, it's going to be a hell of a fight. People are really sleeping on Deontay Wilder, man. They really are. But obviously, that is just my opinion. Um, but yeah, dude, we're getting we're cl- getting close to the end of the tournament, dude. You mentioned it before, and um, we're we're getting close to the end of the tournament, and boxing is heating up near the end of the year, like you said. One last thing, I will go ahead and touch on, which I was actually not planning to touch on, but I just saw that is it is now officially official. Uh, Manny Pacquiao announcing retirement earlier today at the age of 42. Obviously, he lost to Yordanos Yugas earlier this year. Um, I'm not really touching the retirement part. We kind of saw that one coming. I think most people assumed that once he lost to Yugas in the way that he did, it was either going to be that was his last fight or he had one more in him. He signed to call it quits after that one. Uh, Angel, what is your uh, favorite memories? And how would you what, what would you describe Manny Pacquiao's career? fucking legendary dude i mean it's a guy you always knew he was going to come out and give it his all you know like genuinely give it his all i mean that's i think that's that's probably the greatest memory anybody can have of him is that every time he came out he was going to do everything he could to find himself in a position in recent time though i mean it was his return man i mean beating keith thurman after everything and looking at the way he did i mean that was such a fucking cool thing dude mm-hmm. like you know it's 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 fucking amazing and obviously he had many fights that were bangers i mean there's too many to mention so you know just go look at his box wreck and just look at them and you know which ones they are mm. yeah man i mean he's he's the legend of the game he's he's in the goat conversation i'm not sure how high up but champion in eight different weight classes it's it's insane dude and i i mean that Ugas fight was tough to watch, but I think we kind of – once that fight happened, we kind of saw it coming. I didn't want to see him fight another one after that one just because Ugas is a guy that he would have demolished in his prime. And something that he mentioned, he's like, you know what, dude? Like I just – he obviously didn't use his language. He's like, um, you know, I felt good in there, but around round five, six, round five, six, kind of my legs started to go. It wasn't anything wrong with them. I just started cramping. I just couldn't move the way that I used to. And Ugas is a guy that a style I would have demolished in my prime. And I agree, and I think that's probably the reason why he's cut, you know, calling it quits whenever he is. Um, but yeah, dude, congrats on an amazing career. For me, best Pacquiao moment, it's probably got to be demolishing Ricky Hatton. Uh, Ricky, obviously, before that fight, he lost to Mayweather, but he seemed like he was coming back on the comeback trail, and he looked like he'd still be one of the top guys in the division. And he just took two rounds and demolished him, dude. That or the De La Hoya win, for me, personally. And shit, dude, that's even just prime Pacquiao. You could throw in the Keith Thurman win just from a couple of years ago. That was an insane war that he was a massive underdog in. Um, yeah, dude, Manny Pacquiao, one of the greats, one of the goats. Um, Angel, is there anything else we talk about on this episode before we close out, though? No, man, I mean, we we discussed everything for this week. I mean, it was it's a fucking fun week, dude, I want to say. 
Yeah, for sure, for sure. But as far as the show goes, I hope you guys did enjoy. I'm at Josh Shivanoff on Twitter. He's at Angel Ortega underscore L1. At Court says Sound 1 for all things related to the show. Hope you guys enjoyed. Peace and butt grease. Mouse click.